Let's talk about Christmas. So it is officially Christmas season. I'm going to guess your home probably looks like it at this point. Um, and, uh, and maybe maybe you do outdoor decorations or indoor or, you know, uh, you're just in that spirit, right? The Christmas clothes come out, all the sweaters, and, the, and it's just like, oh, it's Christmas. Finally, it's here, right? You go to the stores and you, it's just, it's everywhere. You can't avoid it. And, 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 and part, of, uh, part of Christmas is, um, is what, what I'm not good at, what our kids are not good at as they're younger, but then as you get older, hopefully you get better at, uh, I am not. Part of Christmas is waiting, is learning to wait, right? And, and the wait for Christmas begins on December 26th. Did you know that? That's when your kids are done with Christmas Day. They've got their toys, they play, and then the next day they say, mine at least will say, how long till the next Christmas? Honey, you have all that stuff. Like you are, like if you literally, you turn around, you will see all this wonderful stuff. I know, but I'm, I'm just excited to, for next Christmas. What? And the wait begins, right? And now, officially, it's December. It's like, yes, if you have a tree up, you got your tree, and maybe you have presents, but they know, like, it's, I gotta wait, I gotta wait. And they have, we have countdowns. We have a countdown on our tree, and then, like, another block one, and, like, all these countdowns around the house that they're super excited to every day take down the next day, and we're getting closer, and we're closer. I personally, I, um, I hate waiting. Anybody? Anybody hate waiting? Probably not as much as I do. I, um, I, I would say I daily wage a war against waiting. And I imagine that there's others of you who struggle with this in the room. Um, for me, uh, like um, my, my brain is constantly making calculations on how I can limit waiting. So, and maybe you do this too. So I'll be driving on the road and there's two lanes of cars. And within seconds, I'm trying to determine which lane will be faster, you know, by at least 0.4 seconds. That's important to me because I don't want to wait. So I'm looking how many cars, I'm counting them. And then I'll count trucks and a semi is worth easily four other cars. So, so I'll get in the car lane if there's a semi in this one, because I know I'm going to pass them. But if it's like even, then, then I start judging cars. All right, that one, I'm gonna guess that one's gonna go faster. They just look like a fast driver. I'm gonna pull behind it. And I'm making calculations because I just hate waiting. I just, I hate, I can't, it's something in me. It's a, it's a flaw. I know my wife, um, uh, my wife will say, honey, just pick a lane because I'll switch. Anyone, you do this? And then you're like, oh, I picked the wrong one. Switch back. And now I'm three cars back. So now I got to make up that time somehow. And so I got to like switch again. And she's like, just pick a lane. I said, honey, I did. I just changed my choice. <laughs> and I will continue to change my choice. And, and um, I'll do this at, uh, you probably do this in the grocery store, right? The lane, you're like, okay. You got four people, but they have like seven items. This lady's got seven carts. Okay, I'm gonna go into, all right, I'm gonna pick the lane that's shorter and hopefully you get, like if I get really excited when I, when I, when I, like I beat them, like if it's a race, like, like very slow race, you just sort of one at a time. And if I get through and I'm like, I did it, I beat them. And then there's other times where like, oh man, I picked the shorter lane, but I think this is the first day of the cashier. 
of course this happens to me. And, and it's just, I'm, I'm getting lapped. Like other people, like they, they shop and then they go back again and shop. And it's like, wow, I messed this one up and I get so frustrated. I, um, I do this in the, in the gasoline at Fred Meyer. You probably do this too. Like you got seconds to figure this out and you're like, you. And then you just, you know, you hope you picked it. Uh, I struggle with this. And I genuinely get upset when I'm wrong. When, I'm slow, when I pick the slower one, like for a moment there, it'll ruin my day. Like, oh man, I, I missed it. I missed it. I had to wait an extra 24 seconds. Wasting my life with it. I'm wasting. And, and, and some people are just fine with waiting. It's no big deal, um, right? And, and any, of those, any of you where you're just like, hey, I don't, I'm just enjoying my life. I'm just pick a lane and it's no big deal. My wife's like that. She's like, just pick a spot, like whatever. And, and like, I, I have a hard time with those people because they're the ones I'm waiting to get out of my way. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're fine with waiting? Waiting is a part of life. It's a part of all of our lives. And, uh, and honestly, it's terrible. <laughs> and, and as much as we like exaggerate the experience of waiting, um, we, we really are, like we really are bad at it. We don't like it. It's why, it's why Amazon Prime, like two-day shipping, is still not fast enough, right? And now they come up with this like hour. If you're in a, a hub where, hey, listen, two days is a long time, we know. We're gonna get it to you within an hour. And then now they're experimenting with like drones and like depending where you live, like, hey, it'll be there in 20 minutes. We can drop it at your front. Like, like we, we, we want what we want and we want it now and we are terrible at waiting. We're no good at it. It's, it is really hard. We want to advance in our job now. We want, we want to be done with, if you're in school, I wanna be done with school now. I wanna have the job. I wanna, I wanna get to the next thing. I, I don't wanna wait for it. We're not good at waiting, but part of the Christmas story is waiting. In fact, it's a big part of the birth of Jesus is waiting more so than what we've ever experienced in waiting. We're talking about years and, and centuries of waiting, just waiting. Here's what we see in scripture. And, and I, don't, I don't like this, but it doesn't matter. God likes to take his time. I don't, I don't want that to be true. I want to be able to pray and within an hour should be enough time for him to do what I'm asking him to do. Within an hour, Lord, I would love to see this happen, right? I'll give 60 minutes, plenty enough time in the grand scheme of things. But God likes to take his time. God is very intentional and God promises a savior who would come to save his people and this promise was made thousands, literally thousands of years before it would come true. God makes a promise all the way back in Genesis 
about this seed that would come and would, would crush the head of the serpent. And, and, and from then on, there, there, all throughout the Old Testament, we see this, this promise of this, this coming one. And he's, got, he's given different names, but, but he's, we, we know him as the Messiah. And he just keeps showing up when the Messiah comes. And, and they call him the anointed one or, or the one. or when, Sometimes they'll just say when he comes. And, and there's all of the, like over and over, book after book, it mentions this, this one who is coming this promise and what we see over and over is that people in the bible are waiting they're waiting for this anointed one and then there's 400 years what are called the 400 years of silence between the old testament and the new testament where there's no more prophets there's there's no more books of the bible like like it ends and then it's it'll be 400 years until this promise is fulfilled with nothing Think about this. 400 years is you plus your kids and their kids and their kids and their, I mean, how many generations is 400 years where they're just waiting? We're waiting. All right, Lord, you said, you said he's coming. You said this one's coming, but I've lived my whole life and, and my parents lived their whole life and their parents lived their whole life and we're still, we're still waiting. That is a different kind of waiting than what you and I experience at Christmas time or we're in a line at the grocery store or driving somewhere. Their entire life is characterized by waiting. And this brings us to a passage in, in Luke, in Luke chapter two, that honestly, it's a Christmas passage, but it isn't well known. In fact, I'm gonna guess that a lot of us might, might not even realize it's there. And it's, it's sandwiched in between really, um, uh, really well-known passages. Luke chapter two in verse seven, it says this. We know this because this comes up every Christmas. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them or no room in the inn, some translations say. But we know that, like that's on greeting card, Christmas cards, like we know that one. Like we have songs about that. But in the same chapter, there's another experience, another story, another part of the Christmas story that, that we actually, we don't, we just kind of skip right over. And honestly, like, I read this and, and this, this struggle with waiting that I have, ooh, it comes up and it bubbles like, oh, wow. The amount of waiting in this particular story is incredible. This passage takes place after the birth of Jesus, but before the wise men show up. So the wise men, if you have studied or looked at the Christmas story at all, um, they, we've talked about this before. It's, it's unfortunate that, I mean, they made the cut. They made the cut for the nativity scene. You got them, right? Because plus they're really cool and like dressed really well and like they could bring gifts. So it's like, oh, it's perfect for Christmas. But the wise men probably like chronologically, they probably showed up when Jesus was two years old. Jesus was probably at that point, like think of like a two-year-old, like if you have ever had a two-year-old or a two-year-old grandkid or like, they're not just like, talking and walking they're like speaking like full sentences and and like we call them terrible twos and talking back <laughs> jesus is that age when these these magi these these wise men from the east show up and so he's not a, an infant like like you see in all of the nativity scenes but before that even happens this happens and and this happens when jesus is an infant we see that that he is uh 
after is born that his, uh, his parents take him from Bethlehem and they make the journey, which was quite a journey actually, the, the journey all the way to Jerusalem to dedicate him in the temple. This was a very important thing for them. And, and it was uh, like, you didn't just have a temple in every city. Like we do, we have churches everywhere and you wanna dedicate your child, right? We do child dedications and you just come on the stage. Then they didn't have the like, oh, we'll just go and dedicate the child at the local temple. No, 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 there's one. And you gotta go to Jerusalem for it. So they make this journey from Bethlehem, where Jesus is born to Jerusalem for Jesus to be consecrated or dedicated and presented to the Lord. And here's what we see in Luke chapter two. It says this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. This is their first child and it's a male. It's a firstborn male. We have to do this and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with, it, uh, with what is said to be the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, depending on what you could afford. And then we see this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And look at this, here it is, ready? He was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel and the Holy Spirit was, up, was on him and then it says this, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So we're introduced to a lesser known part of the, the newborn story of Jesus to this guy named Simeon who was uh, full of the Spirit, who had the Holy Spirit and, and was devout and a faithful, a very faithful and righteous devout man. He was unwavering and dedicated. You have to be to spend your time dedicated in the temple, waiting. Literally, it tells us he was just waiting. He's praying and fasting and, and, and reading scripture, but he's just simply waiting. All right, Lord, you said this would happen. I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait for you to come bring comfort and consolation to my country, my people, to Israel. He was a faithful man on whom the Spirit was and, and the Spirit we see was revealing things to him and the Spirit tells him specifically, you will not die until you see the Messiah. That means in your lifetime, I know it's been 400 years, but listen, listen, Simeon, in your lifetime, you will see him. Now, we don't know when he was told that, if it was just a week before, a year before, or 40 years before. It's probably been a while because he's just waiting. And so potentially maybe decades he was told this. Decades earlier he was told, you won't die until you see him. And now he's just waiting. All right, no timeline, no specific answer. This is when it's gonna happen. I'm gonna answer the prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fulfill my promise at this moment. We, we, we want that, right? We want God to not just tell us what he wants, but tell us when that's gonna happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being told by the Lord, hey, I'm gonna do this in your life? And you're like, awesome. And you're waiting. And it's been a year. And you're like, I know, I know he said, I know he said that, but where are you, Lord? Like, how, how long? Are you sure? And another year, and five years, and 10 years, and decades, and decades. 
at some point you begin to say, is it, Lord, is this gonna happen? How much longer? I have faith in you and I believe you. I know you told me this, but, but how long do I have to wait? I mean, really, how much longer till he gets here? He's probably an old, an old, like older in his years. He's probably well-aged at this point. We'll see based on his response. And, and he's probably saying, Lord, I'm, I don't got much time left. Like how long? Simeon was content to wait and to see how this revelation would come about. Now we're gonna jump ahead uh, to another scene because there's a, a second scene in this story and then we'll, we'll kind of jump back and forth to see how, they, how these scenes end. But there's another person who shows up on this scene. This time it's not, uh, it's not a guy, it's not another man, it's a lady named Anna. And right after this scene, literally right after this, it jumps to this next scene where this, this other lady now comes across and, and interacts with the infant, the newborn Jesus. And it says this, still in Luke 2, now verse 36, there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She, we know now, she was very old. All right, this is not a young lady. She is, she is old and wise in her years. She had lived with, and then we get a, a history, a little backstory. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. She got married. They lived together for seven years and then was a widow until she was 84. So she has a husband for seven years. He passes away. We don't know how or why, but then she chooses not to remarry. And we don't know how old they were when they got married. Uh, generally, you got married in your teens or at the, at the latest 20s. So, so this, this has been a while she could potentially have been a widow for 70 years. Can you imagine having a husband for seven years and then losing them and then saying, I, I don't want to remarry and remaining a widow? And then it says this. Now here's, we get some insight into her. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. She's 84 years old at this point. She has been, she has seen a thing or two. She has been, she's, she's older than probably all of the Romans who are in charge. Like she was around before they were born and now they're in charge. All, these, all of these soldiers, she's looking around. You're like, oh, listen here, grand, grandchild. Like you, are, you don't know how much I've seen. And what does she decide to do? She becomes a widow and we're told she, she dedicates her life to what? To waiting, to waiting on the Lord, to being in the temple, to praying and fasting. Can you imagine decades of your life? You, if, if, God forbid you, 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 you're married for a short amount of time. You lose your husband. You say, all right, the, um, the rest of my life, I'm gonna dedicate to serving. For us, we don't have a temple. We have a church. I'm gonna dedicate my life. I'm not gonna remarry. And I'm just gonna spend every day praying and fasting and spending time at my church. Just waiting on the Lord. Whoa, really? That's what you're gonna do? Yeah. 
Now, it, the way this is constructed, like it doesn't mean like she never left the temple ground. She had to, she would be kicked out. But, but literally she never left Jerusalem and never left like the, the vicinity of the temple. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm never gonna leave, I'm here. And when they open, I'll be the first one in. When they tell me to close, we gotta leave. She was probably in the outer courts where the women were allowed to be. She wasn't allowed in the inner court, certainly not inside the temple. So she never actually got to go in it. Here's the equivalent, ready? It would be like being out, like out, not even in the lobby, but like the outside, like parking lot, like entrance area. All right, I can't come in, but I'm gonna be here just waiting on the Lord. Wow, the dedication of this lady to wait day and night. Decades of faithful service and prayer and fasting at the temple. And even though she wasn't allowed in, it didn't stop her from seeking God. Think about this, decades and decades. We know for her, decades of waiting. We're not talking about praying for a week or two or even a year. Some of you have been praying for something or maybe someone for a while. And for you, maybe you've been praying, you know, I've been praying for two, two years now for this person. And that for you seems like a lot of time. And it is, two years is a long time to be praying for someone. But, but for her, she would say, oh, honey, you're just getting started. <laughs> two, two years, that's a, that's a you're, you're on your first, your first mile of a marathon. It may be decades of praying and waiting, yet she is still faithful. As much as we don't like it, God likes to take his time. And as much as you don't want that to be true in your life, God likes to take his time with you and for you and in your life. God doesn't have to uh, be rushed to, to, to be able to move and do things in your life overnight. Like, Lord, by tomorrow, can this happen? I and mean, we, we want that. We, absolutely, we want that. But God certainly doesn't work on, on our timetable or, or our schedule for him. That would be absurd. God likes to take his time. Now, here's what else we see as we talk about how, as we look at how these, this, this particular part of the Christmas story ends, we see that, that God may take his time, and he does, but we're gonna see this to be true, but he always keeps his word. God may take his time. He likes to. God is, we're told he's patient. But he always keeps his word. There's never a moment in scripture or in our lives where God says something and then doesn't do it and doesn't come through. So we see that, that from the beginning, God has always planned to send his his, uh, his son, and, and from, from, from the very beginning, from before creation, this was the plan. He makes this promise, but then they have to wait thousands of years, and then 400 years of silence, of nothing, and they're just waiting, and God is still, I'm, listen, I'm going to fulfill my promise, but just, just wait. M moving back to Simeon's story, here's how it ends the conclusion of his experience, his, his encounter with the newborn Jesus. It says this, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. So what we see is he's actually inside the temple. Anna is outside. They probably know each other. They've seen each other for years and decades and crossed paths. I don't know how much interaction they had together, but they at least recognized each other. 
And he, moved by the Spirit, for whatever reason, he feels like, I'm supposed to go outside. Lord, all right, you're, you're moving me to go out into the lobby, out into the parking lot? Okay, I'll go out, I'll go outside. And then it says this, he went into the temple courts when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required to say, all right, we're, we're presenting him to the temple like, Simeon, you're the guy, you're the one who's gonna come dedicate him. Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Um, I, if, if you've dedicated your children, I'm sure it was a great experience. I doubt the pastor said that about your children. <laughs> that this, this is a different child. Now listen, he doesn't know Mary and Joseph. He, he probably doesn't even know the name of this child yet until they, they have to tell him. But he instantly, because of the spirit in him, he recognizes, wait a minute, this is the one. And listen, his response gives us insight into just how long he's been waiting. His response is, uh, is in Latin, it's referred to as the nunc dimittis. It's the, it's the, it literally means now dismiss me. And there are, uh, there are hundreds, thousands of churches who actually pray this even to end their services every Sunday. And it's essentially, all right, Lord, now dismiss us. And his response isn't, Lord, this is amazing. This is great. He praises God. His response is this, Lord, you can let me die now. I've seen him. I've been waiting so long. I've been waiting, literally waiting to meet you, but you told me I can't go until I see him. And now, here's my joy. I get, I get to finally be at peace. He literally says, as you have promised, Lord, you told me I would see him. Now I've seen him. You can let me go in peace. This is, this is a good day because I have now seen with my eyes your Messiah and the salvation coming. He had been waiting a long time. And finally, finally he gets his prayers answered. And you can imagine how overwhelming it would have been for him to realize this is it. And I'm gonna dedicate this. I get to dedicate this child in the temple. And then he has a word of prophecy to Mary and Joseph. And, and we'll talk about this at another time, but it's not a, a good prophecy. It's not the warm and fuzzies. It's not the like the typical Christmas thinking, like, like the, you know, oh, joy to the world and silent night. And it's like, oh, it's just Christmas is just so wonderful. Not this first Christmas. What he's gonna tell, uh, what he's gonna tell Mary specifically, Mary and Joseph, but, but especially Mary, is that this child is gonna create and cause problems. And he's gonna, he's gonna create division. And, and rising and the rising and falling of nations. And then he's gonna tell Mary, and Mary, your heart too is gonna be pierced. The, the message, the prophecy, the answer to prayer is, hey, this is gonna be hard on you. This is gonna be really hard. What? Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I 
He gets to see, he's waiting, and he finally gets to meet the Messiah. Now, what about Anna? Anna's story, we fast forward now to the, the conclusion of, of her experience. And Luke, verse, uh, verse, Luke 2, verse 38, it says this. Coming up to them at that very moment, so now, now Anna's gonna have an experience with Mary and Joseph and the newborn Jesus. Coming up to them at that very moment, somehow she, she knows and has an experience and recognizes who this baby is. Now, now granted, listen, she's been there decades. She has seen thousands of infants come and be dedicated. This wasn't like the only one, like, oh, a, a, an infant's here. This is, this is very different. No, no, thousands have been dedicated in the temple and she's seen them and probably held them like oh oh she's beautiful he's oh he's so cute he's so handsome and you know the typical like oh that's a baby right like okay she's probably seen thousands but this one's different she too senses something is different about this child i'm telling you guys something's different and here's the response coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem something happened in her experience with him where she recognizes this is him this is the Messiah this is literally the one I've been waiting for for decades I've been waiting on the Lord and her response her response to seeing the Messiah the Jesus just just barely a newborn just days old her response is to become an evangelist is to go share this good news and to share she said with everyone who is waiting looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem she's saying listen it's coming it's coming I saw them and they're probably thinking listen they're probably thinking maybe maybe what you've been told when you talk about Jesus lady you're crazy sir it's too much calm it down it's why why are you getting so worked up about this guy Jesus Maybe you've had this experience too where, where someone has criticized or critiqued you because like, man, all you do is you just talk about Jesus. You're talking about church. You're talking about faith. Like, can't you talk about anything else? Well, sure. But, but why would I talk about anything else when, when the Messiah is here? Her life is changed and we don't know how much longer she lives. Probably not much. She's already 84 and, and now she's had this fulfillment of meaning the child, but she's saying every, with every last breath, I'm gonna talk about this child. I've been waiting for him and I got to meet him. Guys, I did, I, I met him and he's gonna save us. God, listen, God may take his time, but he always keeps his Word. So for us, though we don't like this message, for us, are you waiting on the Lord for something? As much as we want to be able to pray and God answers right here, or at least I'll give you a day, are you waiting on him? I mean, expectantly and, and, and reverently, prayerfully, even with fasting to say, I'm waiting on you to move, God. And it may be years or decades before you see a prayer answered. And that should not deter you or prevent you from continuing to pray. Like, it shouldn't be like, well, I've been praying. I've been praying for six months now. Clearly, God doesn't want to answer this, so I'm going to stop. You haven't been praying for a while. You haven't been waiting on the Lord until like these two, you've been praying and waiting for decades. 
And the Lord's saying, okay, keep waiting. I take my time and I'm patient. And so we, we are forced and asked to continue to wait. Every year, Christmas comes and then it goes and it's over. Every year, there's buildup to Christmas Day. And then December 26th, maybe the 7th, maybe the 8th, maybe the 9th, all the Christmas stuff starts to go away. And then it's just sort of like, all right, we'll, we'll deal with that next December. And, and I hope that this Christmas time, every year we have an opportunity to interact with the Messiah, but I hope that this Christmas time we say, you know what? Instead of just trying to rush through this, I want to spend some time waiting and what it looks like to wait on the Lord. To just wait. All right, God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to move. How are you waiting for God to show up? I know, and I met with a number of you and talked with you on the phone. I know that there's a number of us who are, who are experiencing a, a health crisis right now of some kind or another. And for you, ready? How are you waiting on the Lord? Like our lives are fine. Everything's great until there's a health issue. I mean, a big one, right? Maybe cancer shows up and it, it, the world stops. Because our, right, our, our health is probably more than anything else. It's like, this is, okay, this, this is what's most important to me is, is my health. And when that's removed or gone or threatened, God, why are you doing this? And, and what if he's saying, hey, do you trust me? Do you trust me in this? Do you trust me enough to just, to just wait on me, to pursue me, to, to pray, and to continually seek my face, even in the midst of, of overwhelming odds? Do you trust me? Some of us, maybe you're in a relational crisis where there's a, maybe with a child or a sibling or a parent or a friend or some, a relative where, where it's been broken for a while and, and you're, you've almost given up hope to say, there's no way God could ever restore this. It's just, I mean, I know he can. I wanna say he can in my mind, but like, I don't feel like this is ever gonna be fixed. For you, what does it mean to say, I'm gonna wait on the Lord? And maybe in my strength, I, I probably can't fix it. I can't, I can't just like make a phone call and fix this. But I can be praying and I can seek God's face and wait on him. And, and I can be praying for, you know what, Lord? If, if you're gonna tell me, if I knew ahead of time, if the Lord said to me, hey, I'm gonna answer this, I'm gonna restore this thing, but here's the deal. I need you to pray for me. I pray to me for 10 years. Can you do that? okay. You promise. You promise to fix this? Yes. But can you pray for 10 years? I think I can. I imagine it would still be a struggle even if you knew it was going to be answered. Year six and seven and eight. Whew, man. All right, I'm still, I'm still praying. All right, Lord. How about I just start praying at year nine since I know it's coming? Now, now we don't get... We don't get a, a preemptive timeline like that. Like, you don't get a, hey, God, 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 I'm gonna answer this at year 10 or 15 or 18. We just, we pray. And God may take his time and it may take a while, but we wait on the Lord and we pray and we seek his face and we aren't waiting like this. All right, Lord, come on, come on. Another year, come on. We wait on our knees. We wait in prayer. All right, God, 
this is what I'm asking for. And I'm gonna continue to ask until either it happens or I meet you. And when I meet you, guess what I'm gonna ask you for? This thing. (laughs) God is calling you and me to be like Simeon and like Anna, to be faithful and prayerful, to wait on him to move. God may take his time, but he always keeps his word. So this Christmas season, my hope, my prayer, my challenge is that we would say, I'm going to wait on him. Amidst all of the busy, amidst all of the the decorations and the presents and the preparation and the meals and the traveling and the family, I'm gonna carve out time to just say, I'm gonna gonna seek God and I'm just gonna, all right, Lord, I wanna wait on you. I wanna read your word, I wanna pray, but I wanna be focusing on you. God may take his time, but he is always faithful to keep his word. We're gonna worship together and sing, sing to the Lord. And so would you do this? Would you stand with me? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us. And, um, and for some of us, your response, even during this song, isn't to sing, isn't to like shout it out. It might be, all right, God, today I'm gonna wait on you. It might be, I need to just spend the next few minutes just praying about this particular thing. And and there may be a a specific situation that you're experiencing and struggling and with and and like, all right, Lord, this is the thing. Like this is this is the relationship. This is the health issue. This is the the job situation that I'm I'm just overwhelmed by. Whatever it is, I'm God, I I need you to move. So would you do this? Would you bow with me as as we pray? So Lord I pray for those of us who are, who are going through and experiencing um, uh, some kind of crisis in our life right now. And as much as we wanna see you show up and just take care of it right here and right now, we know and we're told in your word that you are patient. And you're not slow as, as some people think of slowness, but you are, you are patient. And then we're told that you aren't, you aren't, you, You weren't willing that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance and a saving knowledge of you. So what we see in you, Lord, is is not slowness, but patience. Help us to wait on you, to know that you, you like to take your time. Would you, God, would you instill in us a desire to continue to seek you and pursue you and wait on you. Lord, we thank you and we worship you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.